I'm the one infected twisted animator in honor of Firestarter. What's your favorite cinematic killer child? I'm Katie Rich, and I've still never seen this movie, but the trailers for The Good Son really are vivid <laughs> in my mind because of how much it uh, blew my mind that Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin, the iconic childhood actors of my youth, uh, could be bad. And I don't remember which one's actually bad now that I think about it. Oh, so maybe Kevin's bad. It. It's a bad Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, but he's like pretending he's the good one. Yeah, I believe so. That's uh, why the title's funny. I mean, Elijah Wood eventually gets to go, like, you know, turn bad as Frodo. So it all it all pans out. I am Matt Patches. Oh. Ah! It's and Matt my, Patches. <laughs> and my uh, favorite cinematic killer child is Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> the re- real life Jacob Tremblay, who we all know has put many people in the ground. Murderer slash child actor. <laughs> Reported. Uh, and I'm Dave with the Seven, and I'm going to go with the original Halloween's Tiny Michael Myers because his face is so blank when they rip off that clown mask at the beginning. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine, then, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's it's awesome. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 391. It's pandemic 112. It's the week of Wednesday, May 11th. That's the day that in 1931, Fritz Lang's M premiered in Berlin. It was his first sound movie. What a good movie. Uh, David Ehrlich is gone, but you probably don't even care about that because Matt Patches <laughs> is back. Uh, I think some people care about that. People like David. I'm people like David. and. Member. Uh, uh, honestly, we're going to lose David a lot more because he's going to Cannes, although he's promised he will uh, send us some dispatches. But Wait, uh, so patches... we haven't lost David for Cannes? This is just we've N- lost David? Yeah. We're going to leave David was again? A, this was Cannes? a scheduling nightmare for some reason between seeing Top Gun, seeing Doctor Strange, and I don't know, something else happened. It's possibly summer movies out of the way. It's entirely possible David, that the Rangers are playing hockey. Last, last <laughs> week we were going to have an episode. Sorry we didn't, guys. It was going to be me and David getting together. And then David texted me like an hour before, just like everyone's vomiting. Like his, his <laughs> wife was vomiting and then that caused his child to vomit on him. And I'm just like, you, you deal with that friend. <laughs> so hopefully uh, that that worked out and he's not out for a second week with lots of vomiting. But, and you uh, tweeted about be. how you weren't going to record a joke podcast canceling the show, which I consider real I did, personal growth. I did think about it. Yeah. No. I would be like single Dave. <laughs> And then Patches never came back because there was not a podcast for which to return. Uh, um, but yeah. we did sucker some people into leaving us reviews last week. This, so guess well, what? Not not just angry people about the product they were promised and didn't get. Well, I think what happened was they knew, they heard maybe on the previous episode that it was going to be a Dave and David episode, and they knew what that meant. So our first review comes from Ezio that says, Hello. While I enjoy Star Wars Galaxy Talk, even though I have no idea what any of it means, I feel like I need to stop it this week. I will be the token young millennial. That's wow. the complete review. Five stars. Wow. Uh, but then... I feel like we should like save that for the next time the potential happens. Cause they we really, could save it. They that's threw what themselves they to uh, on those railroad tracks uh, for no reason, but we appreciate it anyway. Well, here's the flip side. That same day, another uh, five-star review from a user who calls themselves Your Car's Extended Warranty who said, 
Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 391, Pandemic 111. It's the week of Monday, May 3rd, and that's the day in 2021 when this reviewer downloaded Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes on recommendation from this podcast. I've been listening to the podcast for six years now, and I'm grateful for all the time the four hosts have spent in my ears. Uh, the friendship is the best. Wow. Uh, that's great. It is the best. Uh, yeah. It is the best. Friendship Guys, I haven't is better about than... friendship. Yeah? <laughs> no, I well, haven't. Uh, oh? I've been thinking about a lot of other things. You've been thinking about diaper changes mostly. <laughs> Poop. I've actually been thinking. Well, we'll get to it. Never mind. We'll we'll get. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. Yeah, we're we're almost done. We got that email from Canada. Here we go. This is from Nathan. Hello from Canada. I started listening to Fighting in the War Room circa early 2018. I'm pretty sure I started following David on Twitter in 2015 or 2016. So I don't know how I found out about the podcast. No, there's Excellent no telling. Excellent hidden burn, Nathan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm glad I did because it's been one of the few I listen to every week. I appreciate how wide-ranging the conversations are and how the combination of four very different hosts allows for multiple perspectives and opinions. The conversations are organic and never lose the feeling of four friends hanging out and talking movies. Along with the review, I do have a question. I'm actually attending Cannes this year for the first time. Ooh. Ooh. Four friends and I were all accredited with the three days in Cannes Pass for the first three days of the festival. And I was hoping that anyone who has been to Cannes before might have some we advice or tips on navigating the festival or a group of novices. Oh, man. Uh, I have... have Katie, have you been I, to Cannes? No, I forgot you had been. I totally forgot. You worked for Vanity Fair. I worked I've for Hollywood.com. I've never been to Cannes. <laughs> but didn't you get uh, laid off from Hollywood.com while you while were in Cannes? While I Can? was at Cannes, yes. And <laughs> That's uh, all, deranged. all my expenses were still paid, so I drank a lot of rose and ate a yeah. lot of foie gras. Uh, but what did I do in the beginning of the festival when I was working? Well, these people aren't necessarily and they're going to enjoy the fest. I think the hardest thing about it um, is like, well, I, where, where did they where were they coming from again? Canada, Canada, Canada. So they're on our time zones. Like the time zone thing fucks you up. And the the screenings I was going to were at like eight a.m. And boy, I was drinking as much coffee as I possibly could, and I couldn't find coffee, which seems weird. But in France, it should be like right there. But there's not a whole lot in the strip where the the Palais is, and um, all the food is pizza. It's just like Mediterranean pizza. Um, and I couldn't eat anything but pizza and drink coffee. It felt like the whole time, unless I wanted to like go on a real journey and vacation and I didn't have time to vacation because I wanted to be in lines for the movies and I had to spend a lot of time in lines at the movies. It's not kind of like other fests where I had guaranteed tickets or I had a press line that could help me. It was just like, oh man. And then it rained kind of unexpectedly rained a lot while we were there at Cannes. So maybe bring an umbrella in case it does. Cause if it rains, it pours. You what can't buy umbrellas there. They don't. They don't like. I did it. well, maybe, but it didn't matter. I was just standing in the pouring rain, waiting for inside Lewin Davis uh, with some awards bloggers who I will not name. But it was. Uh, That's I called I, I was uh, Lewin Davis forty like X. I, I think you were. <laughs> they prepared you for that movie better than anything possibly could. Have. I was about to say, fantastic film, loved it. I was just so morose. Um, yeah, have an amazing. So, so you, it's so beautiful. Do you pack? Do you pack snacks or do you just commit to pizza and coffee for these? I think, for Nathan, I think it would be smart. It would definitely be smart to to pack snacks, but I'm not sure you're allowed to bring. I think the other twist is you can't bring food or drink into any of the theaters. So you're chugging coffee before you actually get into the morning screening, and then you're there, and the, then the the stadium seating in the one theater was like dizzying. It feels really tall, or maybe I was just really caffeinated. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And everyone's speaking French. 
can't. It sounds a lot like Comic Con. Like everything's it pizza. Was. It's really hard and to find food. It was a lot food. of running around like Comic Con. Yeah, it's like, waiting oh, in line. This theater's in a lot. This theater's in an old library eight miles away. How do I, I guess I'm running there? Um, it was a lot of falling ass. More so than Sundance, Biff, or anything like those festivals. Uh, the language barrier was a huge, not problem, just like it made it a, a challenge. It was a challenge. Canadians might have a, uh, they, they tend to they learn will. French more than we do. We. We. Well, those are our views. Thank you so much. If you don't, uh, email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com with your international reviews or leave us a iTunes review uh, on the podcasts app uh, then we will have to talk about Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes a little bit of news on that they're releasing a Lord of the Rings collectible game in the same mode uh, just in time for the new show so maybe there's more annoying things to talk about in uh, pay to play free games yes <laughs> I, I gotta do the, Ar the Aragorn relic level not important uh, let's talk about stuff. You to call in, man, you send you up. Reason call in, nine to nine two zero. All right. We're the same the shoes now. Uh, Matt Patches, we we have you here again. I'm back. Uh, you're back. How, You're how not long back? was I gone? It feels like a month. Years. I guess. Uh, yeah, I think so. like a month. Time, time is condensed for me too. Uh, you have a uh, even smaller child in your house now, in addition to the small child that you uh, already we had. Did a baby. We did a baby. Um, you've you've got some projects going on that uh, we'll talk more about <laughs> in, the, in in the coming weeks. Somehow, the, yes, uh, I'm I'm off from work, but still stressed out. That is um, absolutely where I am. But uh, yeah, what you what you watching? How you feeling your days? Uh, yeah, here's my going? big thing, Katie. Uh, after years of you having two boys, David had a boy. I now have a son. No, we had never talked about the fire hose thing. We have never <laughs> talked about just <laughs> yeah, Dave spraying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you I've take seen that, this in movies. You take that diaper off and you prepare. You do, especially when it's like 4 a.m. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, if people who are listening, some people who are listening to the show, I hope, are in, like, college or young. We have a young audience. We're cool. We're young. <laughs> um, may not know what raising a child is like. May not care. I'm sorry for this segment. But, um, you know, you don't sleep a lot. Uh, you have to feed the thing every three hours in the beginning, uh, which means you're up at, like, 1 a.m., then 4 a.m., then 7 a.m., then 10 a.m., blah, blah, blah. Um, and the delirium is, like, Oh right, you can get sprayed in the face. Pee, um, as opposed to like the girls, they just kind of pee down, um, but the boys pee everywhere. Probably a mm -hmm. metaphor somewhere for this. Can, um, I, give, can I give you my? T I'll give you my one tip on this. I do I have a little pee tent days. now, but I cannot throw it on quickly enough. I also built pee guards out of cardboard that are now surrounding various changing stations in my homes. Um, they're decorated. I recommend See, having like, a white like a carpet I Osmo. Have your hand prepared with a wipe that you can just put there as soon as you need it, and then you can go about your business. I, I usually I'm like throwing on the the new diaper just on top, like a staging diaper. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, it'll be the real diaper. Then I can come in with a little aquaphor, uh, get inside there, get all the the nitty gritty out. I don't know if people know, but when a baby is only drinking breast milk and has like little seeds in its poop 
Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. Let's get graphic. Let's well, people figure really, out what kids this is what people are like. Signed in for. They don't teach you this stuff. They don't say they don't these teach, things. They, they don't tell you what to do expect. Not. Does everyone know that when a baby is born, it has this hard, crusty, weird thing on its belly button for days? Mm-hmm. I didn't see it until I had a kid. Do you? And remember? then it falls off, and you're like, "Shit, where'd it go?" And it's yeah. just like in your house like, somewhere. Is my child okay? Uh, yeah, they're yeah, fine. Lots of, they're, uh, and they're I've obviously fine. done this before, and uh, doing it with another kid has been its own interesting uh, experience. Let me just say that uh, having a kid during the demise of Roe v. Wade and the weird moment we're in with formula shortages due to the supply chain and just fucking absolute chaos when it comes to families, women's rights, children, how we think about this fucking dynamic in the country. What a strange experience because it's so stressful when everything is like pretty good. Uh, I have the things that I need. I'm in a good place. Um, and so I'm, I'm extra sensitive about all these, all these issues. But even then, like, hey, I need formula on standby. The fact that it's not available to people, to like single moms out there who might not be able to breastfeed. Jesus, like, we're, this is yeah, a crisis. terrifying. And people might see it in passing, but I don't know. These are huge. These are huge issues. And unless you kind of have the empathy tools for them, I don't know. They could just pass you by on your social media feeds, um, but they're striking me at the moment when I'm in a very sensitive time. Um, and I'm just, and I'm, really I'm, nothing I'm in a good like place. A, I'm in a privileged place. There's nothing like having a baby that you chose and how much it fucks up your life to uh, huh. really want everyone to have a baby uh, by choice and not be forced yes, to. Yes, exactly. Because uh, holy yeah. cow, it is not something, uh, is something you want to really do if you're going to do it. Yeah, my home is a disaster. My life is chaos. Um, but the the baby is cute. He smiles. He's starting to smile. And my yeah. four-year-old daughter is like very into helping take care of him, which is really helpful. Like she can hold the door. She can hold a bottle. It's like good to have extra sets of hands. So retroactively, the reason to have kids is so that the next time you have kids, the kid can help you have the kid. See, yeah. that's how it works. It's like I think that's how yeah. like farms in America work for <laughs> yeah. like generations. Like you just had a ton of kids, so you had someone around to do stuff. Funny you say that. I was just watching the Murder She Wrote episode that is a complete ripoff of uh Witness, uh the Amish <laughs> thriller starring Harrison Ford, except this version has Jessica Fletcher solving a murder on the uh Amish farms of Lebanon County PA. Did, does she fall in love um, with an Amish woman? I hope uh, so. No, she didn't. Actually her uh book the book flack uh her publishers like i don't know pa i don't know what you call the person at the bottom of the ladder at a, at a publishing company anyway he defected from uh his amish clan and actually went back to bring to help jessica get a quilt but he didn't tell her that she he was part of that amish family originally and a whole brouhaha exists uh, erupts and uh Let's just say someone dies, and uh, mm. Jessica Fletcher has to uh, solve the the murder. I'm rewatching Murder She Wrote just to. That put was it out me, and my question again. was going to be what your uh, what your leave watch is, because everyone needs a, a show that just gets them through the days. Yeah, we had a bit of a structure. So Murder She Wrote is the late night. It's 9 p.m. We have to go to bed. Like if we don't sleep, the whole the the mantra right is like sleep when the baby is sleeping. The baby is mm-hmm. sleeping at 9 p.m. We should probably sleep. And now I'm going to start breaking the rules because I'm going to podcast again with y'all. But um, we turn on Murder, She Wrote at the end of the night. If you need something that is actual comfort watch that still has a brain, I don't like to turn my brain off. I'm against that 
idea. Like, I don't like churning through episodes of The Office endlessly and being, like, second screening. I actually want to watch something, but I still want to fall asleep. Murder, She Wrote is that. It is grandma lulling you to sleep, talking about why poisons only react to other certain elements or, like, why that man in the coffee shop gave the wrong order and then he must be the killer. Like, that's good <laughs> shit. Like, SVU, now here's... Here's a twist. So for labor, when we were giving birth to this child, when my wife was giving birth to this child, and I yeah, was helping I was as much as humanly possible. And my God, it was, uh, they said the second kid's supposed to be easier. I, there are yeah, stories of people whose like, like, second kid was like flopping out of the mom in like minutes of, of that, water that, breaking. That was me without, without sharing too much. That that was wow. my experience. With you, can sh- you should be sharing. People should be sharing their earthing stories i believe in that um but yeah we had a just an awful time again we had an awful time the first time and this time was like 36 hours of of labor and six hours of pushing it was absolutely a nightmare but it does give you a lot of time to watch law and order svu um (laughs) because i don't know that's just like being on rails you need the format you need I, sleeping in a hospital is just the worst experience. I wish it on no one. It was actually the thing I was most worried about going into the the second kid. I'm like, I just don't want to spend time at the hospital again. It sucks so much. I hope we're not there for a long time. And it's probably me. It's my fault. I'm being smite. But uh, we did watch a lot of <laughs> but it. But we also got into Peep Show. Have you guys watched Peep Show, the British TV show? Uh, yes. Katie, have not. you watched Peep Show? I, have I know not. you're a big Thirty Rock person. That's true. Uh, I think you would really like Peep Show. Um, okay. It's kind of like The Office. It's caustic. It stars, um, oh God, David Mitchell and Robert Webb, two British comedians you are probably not terribly familiar with. They've never really had a well, crossover. Well, that Mitchell moment, and Webb look is... was like a thing, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, but the show is written by Jesse Armstrong, who writes Succession, who created Succession. Um, and I think it is caustic in the succession way. They have tried and failed to Americanize and convert Peep Show to sitcom formats uh, stateside, just like they did The Office. And they have failed tremendously several times. And I think for people who watch it, it will be obvious why, not just because the show takes its shot in a lot of like POV. It has very strange camera aesthetic, which is it's fun. It's fun to see a sitcom take a chance. In, in how it looks and how it feels. Um, but it is also just it, two awful people navigating a world in like the turbulence of being in your 30s and then getting into your 40s. There are not, uh, I think there are eight seasons, uh, nine seasons. Um, it goes on for There's a long more, time. There's more seasons you, than you think. <laughs> so you kind of see them grow up and, and be stagnant. And it is sad in that succession way. The third person in the cast, and the reason you should watch it, Katie, is Olivia Coleman. This is where Olivia Coleman got her start or her reputation, like with Mitchell Webb guys, and um, and and her role in the show is very Coleman esque. It's this kind of, she is like in a dramatic performance while the other two guys are joking at at each other's expenses about being pedophiles or something. It is a weird ass show, and we started watching it during labor and continued onward even after the tumultuous uh, birthday experience and when the child arrived. So we made it through all nine series uh, and they're on Hulu. And I would definitely watch it. If you need, if you've been watching 30 rock again or watching the office again, I would probably 
urge people to see Peep Show because it feels like one of the great sitcoms. I feel like I, I, I don't know. I covered a blind spot with this child. Thank God, using my time <laughs> wisely. Before um, you watch now, after the SV. Yeah, and now we're watching Better Call Saul. I'm gonna catch up finally. Is anyone else watching Better Call Saul? Do are you? Is, no, I've not seen one episode of Better Isn't Call Saul. We, we all watch Breaking Bad, right? I know. Yeah, we all. I watch mean, Breaking lots Bad, of people. I, the same way. Like, I do feel like Better Call Saul is having a moment. Like people are paying attention in this last season. Yeah, it's me. having a moment, and that it's ending. I believe this year. Well, yeah, the I'm like second half of the final season is coming in July, so it's right. still coming back so, around. I'm they're, they're, they're pulling a Stranger Things. I uh, I saw a, a tweet floating around out there that was denigrating Better Call Saul for just being a hey, remember Breaking Bad. This is how that happened. This is how that happened. This is how that happened. There's a bit of that. Uh, I would say it's more like residence, you know, uh, not in the George Lucas Echoes prequel way, but um, it, we get more out of characters that we do know. It it, it deepens all of the, not just Saul, but Mike, uh, the, the Gus heavy, uh, and Gus shows up eventually, and there, there's just a lot. I would urge people to catch up with Better Call Saul because I don't know what... T- I watched season one, like around when it came out, and I, I couldn't get into it. I don't I, The legal stuff, and the one thing I, I've never been able to, and I still don't really like it, is that Michael McKeon is on the show playing Bob Odekirk, playing uh, McGill's brother, Jimmy McGill's brother, and he has the electromagnetic resistance disorder like he doesn't like the lights on he thinks that batteries give him headaches and stuff um and it is a weird thing for the show to constantly be dealing with i feel like they did it just so they can have people sitting in shadowy light as much as possible because it looks cool um but the show figures out how to really take advantage of it in the second season which i never got to um so i'm finally getting to better call saul and i would urge people to, to carve out time for it because it is much more than a Hey, let me connect the dots for you. I feel like there's so much Bob Odenkirk is doing with the character. It's really sad and also really funny. Yeah. Like my life. Yeah, like, like your my life. life. <laughs> <laughs> Having kids, you, everybody. You're giving you're giving off the vibe of someone who hasn't had a conversation in a month where you're just like, hey, here's <laughs> everything I've been doing. <laughs> I, <got it>. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I know. Let's talk about other things. That was my life. There's not much to say. It's just kids. You know how it is, Katie. When does it get better with a second one? I don't remember when, uh, like, kids flip from, like, functional. I mean, functional, God. (laughs) When do they get functional? (laughs) Having two who, like, having them, two of them make your life easier rather than harder, I feel like takes a really long time and goes back and forth. Like, that's what we're kind of learning right now so you got some time your age gap's different though Dave, it's you, like it's different were you the younger sibling or the older sibling i can't remember i'm the older sibling do you remember when your when your brother came into existence i know no i was like two yeah he was always there in terms of my memory hey do you remember your younger siblings entering your i have a vague so my brother is 18 months younger than me so we're really close together and then uh, my sister I was three and a wow, half and I, I I think that I remember like being in the hospital and seeing her in the nursery but like I don't know I, I don't know if I made that memory up based on looking at pictures so yeah. I imagine your big sister Patches is gonna remember the brother because isn't there like a huge trauma spike with COVID in her brain that she's like gonna remember that time period I don't 
I'm not sure she'll remember. She's not going to remember COVID. I think COVID. she'll. I think she'll have existed in post-COVID forever. Where she'll. I'll look look in the back seat and she'll have her mask on for no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I she she lives in post that eruption. I I don't think that will stick with her. Um, what do you remember from being two? I don't. I guess if COVID happened, maybe we'll remember. But nah. She'll remember the birth of the kid more, though, because she's four now and, and very I do aware. remember when my little brother was two, so I must have been four. So that must be about when memory started. I wonder s- about in. how our, if our kids will look back at photos of themselves wearing masks and be like, wait, what? Or if they will remember the masks. I think that's like that's the they'll lasting. Look, they'll COVID. see older pictures of us not wearing masks and be like, you did that? You, you just didn't? Right. You went All out? All right. And- come, come south. No, no masks here. No, uh, I'm sorry. You're right. No, that's New not Jersey. A, that's not a New good Jersey thing. is the same thing. No, I mean, I'm not sure. It's not a. Are we? Did we still say it was a pandemic episode at the top of this? I forget. It's I still, told, yeah. You, still very much a pandemic both, episode. Both of our yes. kids' classes have COVID in them. Yeah, just because the they headline, have COVID, is it a pandemic? There's a whole bunch of the pandemic isn't over uh, headlines uh, that have been going around this week. There's always so. that. There's always going to be that. There's always yeah, going to be yeah, because the pandemic isn't over. Because we just when decided the... this is how we were going to fucking live. I was well to Katie's point. I'm definitely the only person like wearing a mask when I go in a store, even in New Jersey. So mm-hmm. the rest of the world, I was o- like offline, one of... offline has has kind of moved into a different phase for sure. I was one of three people like wearing a mask in my completely full um, Top Gun screening, and all that did was make my AR helmet make me look like I was in a jet plane because I had my mask. So you're gonna go see Top Gun in cosplay. You're like mask ready. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know where the world is. I haven't been able to focus on the world, unfortunately. Mostly. Yeah. Let's let's talk about a show bowl. that you d- that you don't like as much as I do, and then maybe we could we could loop around to Excellent. some multiverse of madness. Uh, but right after this, though, because no segues. Oh right. guys in the city of Durham, North Carolina, years before I got here, uh, there is this house with a staircase in it. Uh, it is the true mm-hmm. crime story of Michael Kathleen Peterson uh, that long predates my time in Durham. I moved here right around uh, the time that the case took one yet another giant twist, um, which we won't talk about because we want to talk about the first two episodes of The Staircase, which is the HBO Max series about this entire case and also sort of about the French documentary that was made about it that made it so famous, which came out in 2004, I suppose. Um, uh, eight eps in 2004. And then more uh, An additional in two in 2008. And then Netflix added three in 2018. Yeah. That gives you a sense of how convoluted the story has become. Um Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson. Tony Collette plays Kathleen Peterson, his wife, who was found dead at the bottom of a staircase. And uh, to this day, no one really knows what happened. Uh, a whole trial played out. Uh, the story had many twists and turns about people's lives and theories of what happened. And they had five kids and some of the kids were on their sides on his side saying he didn't do it. And one wasn't. 
Um, I have watched two episodes of the show, and I am not a huge true crime person. I also, uh, again, live here, and they did not film the show here, so there is uh, basically nothing of Durham in the show itself. And I think (laughs) Patches and I are maybe having similar thoughts of, like, why is this show made? And I wonder... I, I have heard yeah. from people who I work with that the more answers are forthcoming about this and that it's not so much a straightforward true, ki- true crime show as like kind of like the way the Coen brothers will show you violence and kind of make you feel bad about it. Like it's doing that about true crime fascination. But I'm not sure that's going to be enough to make me uh, go through the rest of the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Well, so, Dave, how many episodes have you seen? Just do three. All three okay. of the three episode premiere. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, this conversation is definitely for people who might be checking it out. We're not talking about the end or anything, and I- I'm definitely I mean, approaching I, I, someone I, like, I, yeah, sorry. I kind of have to talk about one thing when it gets to me, but go you ahead. Should. You should. Yeah, I, I am curious a little bit uh, further ahead, but I'm just flagging that we're not talking about, like, the ending or maybe its biggest choices or something. We haven't seen the screeners. Um, I think what's interesting about this is it's coming from Antonio... Campos, who's like a legit indie darling, or was for a while. He did After mm-hmm. School. He did Simon Killer, which was actually just a huge splash for him after Martha Marcy May Marlene. He produced that movie. Um, that was 2012. That's really what kicked off his big time career. He yeah, made he Christine the whole with Durkin Rebecca Hall. Crew. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were always like, do it yourself. They made James White. Uh, they made Katie Says Goodbye. Like they, they were indie people and then they started pivoting to tv i guess because they had to i think sean durkin made a bbc series he's gone on to make another film um but antonio campos yeah he did simon killer he did christine he ended up making devil all the time a movie i believe we talked about in this podcast on on Mm -hmm. netflix which was not a good time uh tom holland movie from 2020 um but i think his biggest project in in recent years was the sinner with jessica beale um, and maybe we could talk a little about Candy because Jessica be like, I feel like we're living in the multiverse here, which is the splitting realities. The Sinner sent Antonio Campos off into making austere, crime-driven television, and Jessica Biel has then gone off and did Candy, which feels very much like the Sinner universe uh, on Hulu. Is that out now, Katie? You were talking mm-hmm. about It's uh, uh, airing pre- this week as we talk. Uh, all five episodes, uh, one, one every night, uh, kind of like an old-school TV oh, wow. event. Yeah, it's, it's like cool. a, we haven't seen it since in treatment. Oh, is that what that, they do no, with that's good. No, that's good television. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Antonio Campos has such a strange career, and but I think there's a lot of Antonio Campos in the Staircase pilot, which I have watched. I was definitely interested to see because the documentary is so well known and the case is so well known, and the it, it really feels like the beginning of the true crime boom that we've been in for the past decade plus the staircase is, is a big part of it um what what more could he do and i was fascinated to see that it's like not much um like i was not impressed with the finale or with the premiere in terms of like adding to the drama i don't understand what he can mine uh, like colin firth is great see, seeing people stew is not so great. I'm just like, I know the beats here. I kn- Getting people to recreate it for another medium and have it be this kind of polished, like the, the first scene in the premiere is this gliding single take of the son discovering the body, coming home from a party and discovering the body and discovering his father like 
losing his mind and it's 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 jolting um but from there i just don't understand where this could possibly go there are not going to be answers in this in this television unless series. there are all the answers I mean, Katie's I'm sure we'll hear about every two. theory, right? He'll go to trial. You, I, we see him in, I think you're going to see every theory. Katie, yeah. at the end of episode two, we see theory one, and we yeah. see it play out Which in I its entirety. fast-forwarded through because I had been warned about how uh, graphic it was. It is very graphic, but because they're at the part in the story where they're talking about how could there possibly be so much blood if all she did was fall, and the Antonio Campos is like, here's how, mm-hmm. and you have to watch it. Which I really uh, like. I think Patch is the thing that maybe try one more after the pilot on your own time. I don't think you need to catch up to be doing this. Because like as you're saying, you know the source material and what it is. For me, as someone who really enjoyed the source, the documentary, and who likes true crime in general, uh, the documentary and the decision to include the documentarians in this version of The Staircase um, doesn't... um, it doesn't get as close to the people as it is interested in the sort of like legal ramifications of everything and when things become public and how to legally counter things and uh, jousting with the DA. I think that all exists in this series, but I think what this does and that the previous versions of this case is, is it goes beyond the plot in like a somewhat relatable way. I don't know how you'd feel if you didn't know Colin Firth or Tony Collette or Dane DeHaan or Michael Schulberg or whatever. But in terms of, for me, watching them dig in to these real people as characters and then watching the series be like, we're not going to be a, um, we're not in a documentary camera. We're an artistic camera. We're a subjective camera. And I'm really interested in exploring these characters. Like in the third episode, I think, we get a scene uh, between two of his daughters and they're alone in their bedroom and they're, they finally broach, broach the topic of did their father do this, do you think? And that's the sort of thing that we didn't see in the documentary for you know good reasons. These girls need their privacy, uh, what little they had before they were dramatized uh, by Sophie Turner. And, um, but now being able to sort of explore this case, if for me, knowing there's not going to be answers allows me to sort of sit more with the characters and see how the series is sort of weaving through something that it's going to have to decide what a conclusion is and build to that. I don't think it's straight true crime where we're going to um, end with like some sort of verdict. First of all, there's many verdicts they could choose. Second of all, we've already flashed forward past the trial uh, to 2018, which is where Juliette Binoche shows up in this series. Uh, very surprisingly, yeah, they're um, they're treating her presence on the show as a spoiler, which I find very funny. What? Because uh, she she's in the first episode, but they don't tell you who she is, and you're not supposed to know who she is. But then in the second episode, a French documentary crew shows up, and you're like, hmm, she's French. I wonder if uh, why is that a spoiler? That they're making the documentary. I don't know. It's real life. Well, it's like it's reality. Well, that's the thing. It's yeah. like the whole thing is suffocated. It's trying to create drama out of things that people already know. And Dave, your point about Oh, it's interesting to have a conversation between two of the sisters who, you know, we may not have gotten that perspective in the original documentary. But we also know that it's being conjured. It's like, it's not real. It's not, wow, what did she say? She said this and we never heard that before? Or like, is this what she was really thinking? Like, 
I don't yeah, know. That's what the, there that's is... the not true crime. That's the not true crime part of it that I'm feeling. I'm yeah. loving it as a drama and as like a structured dramatic piece. And I do think but I'm not... you, there is extrapolation to be made on real life for dramatic sake that can be moving and stirring. But in this case, because it is such documented true crime, I find it a bit suffocating for it to be like, you can't pretend like anything, you can't make anything up. Everything has already been said about this. Like, to pretend that you could get further inside the heads than any of the documentarians or any of the reporters who have covered this, I just find to be, uh, I don't know, a, a foolish endeavor. You can't I mean, do maybe... This to me is more in the lines of, you know, our tech crime shows that we just finished the wave of. This is a, everybody knows what happened. Let's see it dramatized by some actors who are going to, you know, take big swings with it. And that's what it is for me. And I'm really liking it. But there is one additional X factor that is a slight spoiler, but I tweeted about it and a friend of the pod, Joe Reed, instantly picked up what I was laying down. So I'm going to pass it off to you guys. There's a theory that an owl killed her, that an owl just clawed her head and she stumbled inside and it fell down the stairs or there was an owl in the house and the owl flew out. And uh, this series, th this theory isn't covered much in the documentary uh, because the documentarians were like, that's like, wasn't part of the trial. That wasn't really what we were doing. But this show has at least one scene in every episode I've seen so far that is laying the ground for the owl. We're gonna. I, I guarantee you're gonna the see premiere. the owl. Oh no! I think you're absolutely right. You will definitely see the owl in the show, and I will watch the episode that includes the owl. That is for sure. Um, I mean, I guess if the promise of this is just to see ghoulish acts of violence that can somehow reenact the the undocumented, that is the one thing that this show can do. You're right, um, and that is kind of sick. It's kind of weird to. to well, to I, do th that. I think. I think it's trying to ask you about like why you want to to see that. Yeah, because this is going to end with a the the real life conclusion, which is we're never going to know. There isn't going to be a further investigation because there's no reason to continue this. If that happened in 2001, we're going to go all the way to 2018. We're going to get all the stuff. So that means that this that the show isn't going to come to a conclusion. It, what can it say then about the legal system about Families that might be slightly too rich for their own good uh, about, you know, trying to form a family unit while keeping your core sexuality, uh, you know, sort of like this hidden live wire. I think it has a lot of uh, things. And I sort of like I think the early episodes have to pivot out of the idea that the police are maybe like railroading him. But it, it really does switch from episode to episode to me. I am not a fan, like Katie mentioned of the first episode ending with Juliette Binoche, but no date. So we think maybe there was a straight affair that was happening because I think that's kind of disingenuous. Oh, but I never even, re I didn't realize that. Cause you, you see him like, he has like gray hair and then they show a date when they show him like looking at himself the in the second mirror, time. right? But at the, fir she first shows up, he's tying his tie in the mirror and he yeah. turns around and someone else t fixes his tie. And then she steps into screen. You're like, that's not Tony Collette. And she's like, today's the day your life changes. And you're like, was this pre-murder? And I was oh, like, oh, I did not series. think that. I thought it, I assumed it was the the future, but oh well. Like again, if you know what's coming up because you watch the documentary, that also makes the end of that episode stupid. But they are trying to craft it as a drama, mm -hmm. and they do sort of give each episode a shape. So in that sense, 
I, it's meeting the definition of good TV for me, and I'm enjoying the performances, so I'm going to write it out, I think. I but I'll definitely let you know, uh, Patches, when the Owl episode yes, is. Yes, please do. Yes, I hope the last episode is a Guardians of Gahul um, sequel where they've decided to mercy kill this person. No, that's sick. Um, well, talk- not to make this continually about me, but you might remember that last spring around this time, uh, two uh, baby versions of these owls, the owl in question, uh, were in my backyard. So I feel very invested in the owl theory now. Um, I cannot wait. And I cannot wait to see how they depict an, an owl attack in a way that doesn't look ridiculous. What's the theory uh, of how it got in the house? Dave, do you so know? either either it was in the house, attacked her and exited because she's in the house when she's attacked. Sure, yeah. That's theory number one. Theory number two is she actually got attacked outside, well, out of earshot of Michael or whoever was in the, um, Mike, yeah, Michael was sitting by the pool, and then stumbled inside and tried to get up the stairs before and then falling. fell down. Wow. Yeah. That would be. I mean, I hope. People can't get just attacked by an owl when they're walking around their house. I mean, apparently there's uh, this is based on a uh, YouTube detective who is Katie, you know, be, reading. be careful out there. Yeah, but he's like, there's a lot of these attacks in Durham, so uh, apparently there's data. Katie, be careful. It's a <laughs> it's a real multiverse of madness out there. <laughs> you said we don't do transitions, Dave. We don't do transitions yeah. after this. And we're back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guys, it's been a while since we've been, you know, theatrically here that we've had uh, Spider-Man, you know, broke, broke the multiverse slash box office records. And then Marvel took a little hiatus just showing some uh, unrelated Moon Knight on uh, Disney+. Plus. But now we're back into the core of it. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Directed by Sam Raimi. Written by Michael Waldron. Sort of. Starring Ben Cumberbatch sort of. what does that and Elizabeth mean? Olsen. Ooh. I think this is a horribly written movie. We'll get there. Whoa! Um, it's uh, we set directly after WandaVision. I hope you watched WandaVision. I hope you have a Disney Plus subscription. If not, this is going to feel kind of off the cuff for you because it is the story of how Doctor Strange has to protect a young woman named America Chavez who has the power to punch star-shaped holes in between universes. <laughs> I do like that they're star-shaped holes, like from the very beginning. There's no question. And she has a star on her jacket somehow. Okay, cool. She's a Marvel yeah, superhero, she, definitely. She, she's already branded herself uh, <laughs> right, right before she even shows up. That's good. And... Uh, it turns out that she is running from demons being controlled by the Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, Wanda Maximoff, who has got possession of this evil book called the Darkhold. And uh, if you know evil books in Sam Raimi, you know that it's going to try to do some shit uh, through <laughs> Wanda. Um, there are lots of things to spoil in this movie, uh, namely cameos and deaths. I'm saying, yeah, how do we want to talk about to this? do that? We should just go spoilers. Spoilers. Full, this, this movie's been out for a few days. We're going full spoilers here, right? It's been out for, at this point, almost an entire week. It has made all of the money. That's true. Already, idiots are saying it's, uh, you know, made so much more money than everything everywhere all at once. Like, 
comparing apples to oranges gets us anywhere. Uh, although that exhibitor relations tweet did result in uh, one of the Daniels uh, responding with the, the best tweet I've ever seen in my entire life. So it was worth it. Yes. Um, uh, sorry, Patches, if you missed the Twitter drama that we're referencing, but it no, was pretty great. I'm not worried about missing Twitter drama. That's I'm going to I'm going to link this to you, honestly, because uh, <laughs> uh, you deserve to see this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Have we ever left big... the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Come on, let's be honest. Gabby, uh, can you even leave the Marvel no, Cinematic Universe? Um, uh, and uh, it, it's been, so far, received uh, by people who were worried about Sam Raimi getting flattened by the Marvel machine pretty well by those people who were looking for something that's still distinctively felt Sam Raimi and I would co-sign with that. There's a lot more Raimi-isms here than there are Marvel-isms even though we start from the drop with CGI goop. Uh, I think it eventually works its way oh uh, my God. back. That's CGI in the good graces. Holy shit. Very I'm sitting down in that theater by myself and I, like, I haven't seen a Marvel movie. I saw Eternals as we discussed and I hadn't seen a Marvel movie in theaters before that since like Infinity War. And I was like, what? Is this what they all are? And I forgot. And I was really mad. And then I got then it <laughs> straight got up Avatar the way of the water, uh, but purple. Yes. And uh, excuse- uh, some sort of. Uh, all right. We're gonna, if you want to start comparing that CGI group to Avatar the <laughs> way of water, we're going to have a sidebar here. No, I uh, love Avatar. I, I saw that I'm trailer before Doctor Strange fan. and I had the thought like, oh, CGI goop when it's actually trying to replicate something natural and really obsessed with trying to be rooted in something that feels physical makes a big difference. The physics of the hands of the Navi, Katie, and the water they, simulation. They're holding hands it. with whales. You can feel that whale. I would love to feel it. Me too. Jake Me too. Sully. How's he doing? Take, I want to. We're about to find out. Anyway, so back to this I, movie. Oh yeah, I've let some of my opinions uh, leak through in my description of this film. Um, Katie Rich, let's start with you. <laughs> Wait, can I ask a question before we dive yeah, in? I, I have yeah, a few yeah, notes yeah. here, but I wanted to set the tone here. The last Doctor Strange movie came out a long ass time ago. Uh, before the 2016 election. Yeah, like right. That's before. correct. Uh, does anyone remember it? And do you remember how you felt about the Doctor Strange movie, Katie? I, re- I have to assume you don't uh, have any feelings or remember what it was like because you've never I, rewatched it. I've never rewatched it. I watched it on a plane after it came out, um, which is how I watched Shang-Chi a little while ago, f- a strong tradition. Um, I remember that Rachel Cadence was in it, obviously. I wouldn't have remembered that Michael Stuhlberg was in it, except that I saw someone tweeting about him wearing a wig. And then he shows up in that first scene, and as far as I remember, he's not in it again. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what they he really did in the first one. really close that loop. But he has, don't know he what has that an was excellent about. agent because he gets the and with credit on both the poster and in the And the, also the an umlaut credits. in the closing credits over the U in his name, which I have never seen before. Now, and you're going to have to cross-check that, that with the staircase. Does he get the umlaut in the staircase credit? We're talking, I should go look. Double Stubarg night at, the, at Fighting in the World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the dream come true. He's fine in Doctor come. Strange. Um, what else did I... I mean, the thing about... The way what do you this think of Cumberbatch? Starts... Like, what do you think of Doc Strange as a character? Do you have, or did you even an Endgame or is anything? Is Doctor Strange a? Does character? anyone care about Doctor Strange? <laughs> I mean, I think it is interesting. The that conversation with Stuhlbarg actually sets up this interesting thing where it's like, did you make the only decision you could have made? Like, that's the thing he does in not Endgame, the the other one, right? No, Endgame, no Infinity War. In an um, Infinity War, he gives the him the, 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 time the one, stone. yeah. Um, and, and him grappling, blitzed. him grappling with the weight of that decision, and right. I don't know if that's something that came up in Spider-Man too, but I, I thought that was an interesting thing that like it 
it sort of follows through the rest of the movie. I don't know that it's all that consistent. Um, I think I might be with Dave on the extent to which this is written. Um, But it just jumps right into it. And he's thrown into the action. And he's like, oh, yeah, multiverses. I know about those. And it feels like 20 minutes in. It's like, we got a kid. We got to go. We got to chase. I mean, the squid action. And the like, that's a great opening action sequence. All for that. But the way that, like, there's no, like, rising action in this movie. It's just like, here we go again. And it feels <laughs> like that sets the tone for a movie that's just like, and then this happened. And then this happened. And then we went to this place. And there's not, like, a structure or resolution. I mean, there are arcs in it, but it doesn't ever feel like, like the Poppins. movie... Kind of. It's like kind of episodic from like you know, thing to well, thing, kind of, jumping around. Yeah, kind of. It's like, okay, then Mary Poppins does the the musical number with the tea or the spoon. Mm-hmm. And then, then then she jumps into a painting for some reason. Now we're going to be floating on top of the roof. Who cares? It's Mary Poppins. It's great. Yeah, I think that's a really apt comparison, actually. But like in theory, we're supposed to be watching him like win over Christine. Could you could you have named Rachel McAdams' character in Doctor Strange two weeks ago? At all. Afraid not. Yeah, you could have given me a full day. <laughs> Just calling her Rachel McAdams. Still, I will throughout yeah. this segment. Um, and then, like, like uh, Wanda's arc. And as someone who loved WandaVision, like, I do feel invested in her. And I think she is supposed to be, like, going through a whole thing in this. And it's, like, there? But no one ever really seems to care that much about any of the supposed character stuff that's taking us through the movie. Yeah, I could I could relate to that. I remember the first Doctor Strange movie. The things I remember it a lot about is, um, oh, they're doing another origin story. I thought we were fucking beyond that. We're all like in fucking phase three almost. What like what are we doing? When are we getting to Thanos? That was my initial reaction. Oh, uh, they're getting was, Thanos. <laughs> yeah, two was uh, this character is just Tony Stark two. Do we really need it? And then three was. Um, those visuals look still look great and uh the mirror dimension shifting of chasing through like different things and tilda swenton not making it laughable and then bringing it sort of home with the theory that uh the entire first doctor strange movie is doctor strange admitting that it's not about him or learning that it's not about him to sort of stop being uh selfish i don't know if he's learned that lesson given what we've seen since and in doctor strange too and i do think that it, they have very pointedly really? not made him the Sorcerer Supreme because he still has to learn more about what it actually means to be the Sorcerer Supreme. I, I uh, think that's he's... why this movie ends up working kind of well. Uh, it, it seems to admit that Doctor Strange is incompatible with cinematic storytelling and that there can never be a Doctor Strange movie because Doctor Strange must be the co-star of any movie that he's in. And he has functioned well in the Avengers movies that he's appeared in. And I think he was good in Spider-Man No Way Home. And he's like always a side player. And if you go back and talk to comics people, I mean, Dave, I'm talking to you, you probably already know this, but like Doctor Strange doesn't really compute in comics either. He's just super powerful and no one knows what to do with him. And I feel like this is the conundrum that they've come to with the movies. And this movie keeps positioning him as a co-star wisely, I think, where he's like, always the guy who doesn't know what's going on or he's he's always teaming up like he has to be christine's co-star essentially like christine knows the answers to the multiverse she knows how things work and he's along for the ride or america chavez has the power to the multiverse so he is along for the ride like they figure out his character well they kind of drop the ball on wanda i think um but 
I think they solved Doctor Strange, and they continue. I think what they got the that first movie got right. A movie I don't really care for. Uh, it, that movie gets goopy and dumb in, in the second half. I, I rewatched it with my wife, who had not seen it before seeing Multiverse in, of Madness, um, and I liked it more. I, I I agree with you that I thought he was kind of like a Tony Stark copycat, but Cumberbatch has his own kind of ego-driven snark, uh, being a brainiac and and being this top-class surgeon. Um, it, it's pathetic, and now that Tony Stark is dead, um, kind of stands alone and, and can be its own thing, but again, it's like, he's good as a co-star. He's good as trying to figure out how to help other people, um, and that's what this movie does well. Yeah, I think in terms of, like, the comic book use of Doctor Strange, and then I also think why this movie works for me, although I'm not sure I agree with you that Doctor Strange has an arc, just that he's, like, well used. Because his arc is, like, am I happy, and why am I lying to myself? Like, those are just human things that has nothing to do with being the sorcerer supreme as it ends up having nothing to do with the multiverse uh but i do think that why this movie works I, how i describe this to people when they ask me what how it was i'm like it's a lot of fun you're not gonna be sitting in the movie feeling like it's bad or at least i wasn't but then every step you try to think about it after it's over the movie's gonna unravel because it's it is a comic book Every 26 pages, Sam Raimi has to do something cool visually with Doctor Strange or America Chavez or have Wanda Maximoff murder a whole bunch of people. And then the stuff in between, they have to stop and like literally talk to each other about what's actually happening. And that makes it feel very inconsequential. I think the Illuminati scene is a perfect example of this. They knew what they wanted. Why did the Illuminati like call him there? just to talk to him and then be like, no, we got Wanda. And then the second they're in front of Wanda, they don't even last three minutes. Like, it's just a weird balance of these so-called smartest people in the Marvel universe who are actually there, like everything else in this movie, to further a plot point for something cool visually to happen. Yeah. And I think that's how the Doctor Strange character could function, is just like send him to a different dimension, send him to the dark dimension, put weird makeup on Charlie's Theron and send him <laughs> through a portal and out to somebody else's problem. We should definitely talk about that at the end here. But uh, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is one of the most comic booky Marvel movies that's ever been made. It really felt to me like as someone who dips into comics, I've never been a steady comic reader. I am, would never say that I've like read every Wolverine comic or read every Iron Man comic or something. I'm just like, not that person. I will pick up a book I'll pick up issue 26 and just read whatever Spider-Man is doing that month and I'll never know what's going on and I'll always enjoy it because I'm like, if the storytelling is strong and if the visuals are weird, I'll get it. And if the soap opera drama functions, if the zingers are there, I'll be into it. Um, and that's what this, more than all the other Marvel movies, I, I saw a lot of kind of dinging Marvel studios for taking Sam Raimi, who made a fantastic Spider-Man movies and kind of honored the Ditko cheese of it all um, and, and this kind of throwback feeling in those movies to the comics and that, like, none of that's present here. It's all anonymous Marvel movie making. Um, and I don't really agree. Like, I think he did... Yeah, there are circle wipes in this movie. Like, circle <laughs> wipes. Well, there's definitely, like, Sam Raimi-isms, but I actually think it's honoring comic books in a different way than the Spider-Man movies, but still honoring the, the, the weirdness and the kind of, uh, the kind of bluntness of, of the drama and 
the need for a splash page every second or like every few pages, as you said. Um, I, I think it is true to comics more than a lot of the other Marvel movies and not overthinking the big picture continuity of the Marvel universe. I don't think it's really tied up, even with all its connections to WandaVision. I don't think you need to see WandaVision to see this movie and enjoy it. I think you just need to know that someone is being driven mad out of a need to get her kids through the multiverse. And you'd probably enjoy it more if you didn't have WandaVision trying to deepen the Scarlet Witch character. Um, hmm. And I still think I still think it works in the movie. I've seen also a lot of discourse. I want to ask you, Katie, like, seen a lot of people pushing back on this movie, the fact that a woman could be driven to this by just wanting kids. And I'm just like... Huh? No, no, it's wanting her kids. It's wanting her kids. Like I think if it, I think if it's like Wanda's trying to steal someone's baby because she wants to be a mother so badly, like that would be a whole different set of problem. But I think, you know, I, again, I watched she that, isn't that what she's doing? She's well, no, stealing it's, it's her, her kids it, from. But, well, but it's someone her, other, but she, yeah, she has an emotional connection. It's not that she just wants any kid. She wants these mm. specific children that she knows already. Um, that's the thing that is like is driving her mad, and that I feel uh, is relatable honestly like I, you know it's not some big delicately handled emotional drama and i i'm, I'm interested to hear why you think they drops the ball on her because it felt rote to me but it kind of felt like they took her character exactly where they intended to um but yeah i mean they show that sequence of her like putting the kids to bed and then it turns into her being alone in bed and it broke my heart yeah i think that's just a little abrupt for her how much there is there, if that makes any sort of sense. Like, if this was a sequel and WandaVision was a movie, I would be like, this isn't, like, th there isn't an emotional hook. You're just sort of, like, showing me something to m remind me of where we left off with, like, the first one. I kind of wanted Wanda to be a little more self-contained in this. Almost maybe flipped with Doctor Strange, because... Doctor Strange is the one who's in the past year has been like skipping around into other people's movies. Like having this be like a Wanda centric movie, I think would have allowed them to sort of bring it all the way through. Like it's very weird that this movie mentions Vision once and Westview once and then moves on when I kind of feel like maybe that Michael Waldron thought those were the two things that were really dealt with in WandaVision and now we just have to deal with this, you know, cliffhanger of how she's going to deal with her children. Well, what more is there but, to say about Westview and Vision? I mean, I don't know. The idea sort of, I, I've seen a lot of people struggle online with the idea of if uh, the end of WandaVision was her feeling remorseful for having manipulated all these people of Westview and Vision lying to Vision. Or if it was her feigning towards remorse, but ultimately opening the Darkhold, which is a recommitment to possibly using her powers in the wrong way. And if you think that she's learned her lesson, then this movie pretty quickly gets to her vaporizing fucking sorcerers. Ah, sure. But what? I mean, the Darkhold has messed with, right? Like the Darkhold, right. we, as we learn, is like, this is the Darkhold version of Wanda. It's no longer the Wanda from WandaVision. It's like a whole new character. By yeah, the logic and I think, of the book. I think that's in there, and then by the logic of the movie, it's in there, but I also think it gets um, complicated when they go to when the, both books are destroyed. Both MacGuffin books are destroyed, so New MacGuffin places the castle with the spells actually carved on the wall. 
uh, that uh, sorcerers aren't allowed in, but the sorcerers go in whenever they want. And in that uh, Darkhold thing, the carving isn't of Cathan or whatever the demon is the name drop wants. It's of the Scarlet Witch and her children. <laughs> and so that sort of feels like it wasn't the Darkhold at all at any time. It was always just the Scarlet Witch emerging, which maybe they're different entities, but the movie doesn't make that distinction. It or any more, it doesn't make that distinction any more than uh, Baron Mordo doing it in a weird, uh, weird that I love uh, montage full of dissolves and crossfades with exposition over it. Oh, I love. Yeah, that. I was clear that of, none of that seems to matter in this movie at all. Like whether I don't like, think what, anything I said mattered. I don't no, think this movie nothing. matters. No, there's, no. There's one thing that mattered in this. Two things that mattered in this movie. One, America Chavez in the universe, which is great because they did not do enough with her here. Uh, I don't know if the B origin was a joke or was supposed to play as a joke, but like the idea that her entire uh, sad story is because a bee scared her when she was walking Why in the park with her moms. Yeah, because it like because it results like in her mom's yeah. getting sucked into an alternate dimension. It's so I sad. gotta say, I mean, that's no that scene is that is Raimi. Like I was thinking about Drag Me to Hell, the end of Drag Me to Hell, and how mean it is that this protagonist who was actually scum. Uh, throughout the whole movie trying to avert this curse and then in the very last scene when you think everything is great she just gets ripped out of the universe and sucked into hell I was like yeah. thinking about that exact scene I'm just like this is mean this is well, like how like the ex- cruel world works like you get scared by a bee and then both your moms die <laughs> they just like get ripped into another universe holy shit I mean that that's that's, how, that's sort of how this movie ends too like I yeah, cackled right. at the very end of this movie like all those little like like twists like weird can't escape Raimi things that happen in this thing like the um I don't don't ask me what they're called like the little ghouls that hover over him and go Stephen Strange like that's amazing (laughs) I like all that I mean but it's all sort of like anyway America Chavez thing that we're gonna keep from this movie and have to know about her uh, wait pause on America Chavez Did, did we like uh Solcio Gomez, is that like a good... Uh, you mean Don from the Babysitter's Club? Who I will follow to the end of the earth? Yes. Yeah, of course. I was so happy. I mean, I think she's fine in this. Like, I don't know that she has a whole ton to do, but she certainly does what she's asked she to gasps. do. She, yeah. She punches. She's good at uh, staring at things that aren't there and uh, I, looking like something's happening. I will say that I'm very excited for a possible, like, teen MCU thing. Like, I want to see America like a Chavez young and Avengers, Marvel. you say? Yeah, like a young <laughs> Avenger, which I have to imagine is in the cards by the time you assemble all of these people um, and introduce them. But yeah, lots of promise there. I'm excited. And she had good uh, rapport with, with Gumberbatch, I thought. Yeah, like, yeah. They could I like, I like they could the two of them together. Yeah. yeah. How, did it, how does it I'm, compare to him and Peter Parker since I still haven't seen Spider Man? I like this better. I do too. Uh, because this, well, also, this was like a huge part of the reshoots in addition to shuffling some cameos. But initially, word on the street was uh, the relationship between her and Strange wasn't working very well. So they oh, wow. went back and rewrote and uh, redid some things. And I think it had to be the writing because I really do like the performance. There isn't much for her to do, but the things she does do, I really enjoy. Uh, also, she just seems to be good at like, being in a harness for a day and screaming and all the like mm-hmm. tough stuff of being an action actress. I'm very into uh, her being able to do that in the future. All the stuff that Think- the uh, older members of the MCU are like, nope, not doing that say, anymore. She's, she's 16 years old. This is her fizz head. 
She's 16. Wow. Yeah. They kept calling her kid, and I was like, wait, uh, all right. She's like 20, she but the, she's really she's really little. It's going to be great when we uh, see her come back. Uh, two, incursions. Uh, the idea of incursions that the Illuminati brings up, the incursions that are name dropped by uh, Charlize Theron at the You're end. You're getting so ahead of this. This is the end of the movie. I'm just saying the two things that matter about I'm, this movie. I'm actually very curious because there's a lot of stuff that I was just kind of like, eh, I, I don't know what this I is I want to get there, but I want to say, uh, in in contrast to this point about like what will stick and what matters about this movie, the great part about this movie is that nothing matters, right? Like mm. well, My yeah, favorite I, I things mean, about this movie are like, and now music zombie fight. doctors. Oh, my God. The music note fight. I love the, the music, music note, note fight. Th- yeah. I'm just That's like, great. hey. And this is where Michael Waldron, I think, comes in handy. Like, let's throw them through a bunch of dimensions. And like, what should it be? Just make references to stuff. Or like, this this movie is stuff. The movie. Um, but not to be confused with stuff. The actual Um I mean, throwing them through a bunch of dimensions after everything, everywhere, all at once. Like, it looks great, but I was just like, I've, I've seen a, a much more thoughtful version of this very recently. Well, I have. <laughs> I still haven't seen um, anyway, the movie. You'll get there. I, I, I like Music Fight. I like Gargantos Fight. I think Zombie Strange with the Cloak of the Damned is absolutely oh, badass. Zombie Strange is pretty great. <laughs> I like how Wanda's story ends up, uh, even though, like, just trusting America could have been done at any point. I get why we ended there, and I like the I like star uh, hole punching zombieish Wanda. I mean, maybe yeah. what if, what if is coming to mind, but like her demonized version chasing them through the tunnels. That's kind of a janky action scene, but it's really fun and just like playing with. Or the when they try to catch her in the mirror dimension, which then she has to liquefy <laughs> yeah, the mirror, out. Yeah, I love that. that. Mirror dimension's good. All these things are great. Like, music fights going to be in my top three Marvel fights of all time, and they don't actually throw fists at each other because it's, like, that great. This is why we make comic book movies, so we could do things like music fight. Mm -hmm. We don't do it so we could do things like all the Avengers on screen at once. I think we've hopefully moved beyond that being a calling point on its own. We're a whole... Multi-episode Zack Snyder Justice League from that being exciting enough to base an entire movie (laughs) off of it. Uh, But that being said, in terms of what matters going forward, I think the incursions do because the incursions are from a run of uh, Jonathan Hickman comics, uh, which also included the Illuminati, which eventually led to the crossover Secret Wars, which everybody is sort of agreeing that's where we're going. Uh, If we do get another movie that has Avengers at the beginning of the title, it's going to be Avengers Secret Wars. They're going to smash all the universes together into one battle world, and that's going to be our movie. And that starts with incursions. Uh, but that um, story is re- dumb, isn't re- it? Remind me, uh, I know that someone explained what incursions are in this movie at one point, but I don't remember. What are they? Two universes start to collide. They get brought closer together because somebody's dream walking between them or some shit. Who knows? They get closer together, and then one has to destroy the other, or they both are destroyed. Okay. It's like, imagine two universes trying to take the same physical place in time. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. The Bear in- with me. Inexplicable uh, Charlize Theron cameo in the post credit scene. She is Clea, and I believe she's mm-hmm. Doctor Strange's on and off again flame in the comics. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So they're going to be hooking up. Waldron has now me. talked about this. This is days after this movie has come out, but he has now. Well, it's because Charlize Theron was just like, "Say hello to Clea" and posted it all to Instagram. So yeah, I feel like yeah. it's. And oh, she's, she, like, she just went rogue. They they 
they tied the knot up with Christine. There's no Christine anymore. Rachel McAdams definitely not returning to the series. So oh, really? Doctor Strange needs another romantic interest, I guess. And oh. they'll make another Doctor Strange movie, I guess. It just seems impossible to me for whatever reason. I don't think I put I... together that they were kicking her out of the franchise, but like that seems fine. Set, I think set she's like Adam's I free. I think she's passing on the franchise. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, set her down. free. She's fine. Yeah. Wait, but what's funny about seeing like Cumberbatch, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and then there's someone else who's in this, where it's just like, who was really popping? Oh, Elizabeth Olsen, I guess. Like, who was popping in 2010, 2011? Like, they That's all true. got who into the Marvel. Graduating to the new sequels, even though it they're feel, not it, hot anymore. It just feels like a real time capsule of like, who was the Poor person Chiwetel you're going to put in your movie? It's the, weird. The first Doctor Strange movie, now uh, seven years ago, set him up to be the bad guy in this in this sequel. I mean, he did it. it well, yeah, it could so have been worse. And he's like, he's the bad guy. And then they were like, eh, nah. No, they were supposed to pick that up, uh, but they cut it out of the movie uh, early on to uh, make it less graphic. Uh, but this movie was supposed to open with him hunting Wanda, and Wanda beheads him. Whoa! Six one six Moro lives, so he still got another chance. Okay. Sure, they're gonna write. I that mean, one but off. The, like, they're gonna write all of this off. She's not dead. <laughs> Who's not? You dead? know, Wanda, Scarlet Witch. Oh, Wanda's dead. No, Wanda's not dead. Wanda's dead in uh, the main universe. Mm, Come on, Wanda's I don't dead. think so. The building starts it... collapsing, and then there's a red flash, and she's somebody who could rewrite right. reality at you're, will. So, you're like, right. you're right. And like, also, she, we're never gonna see that character uh, reunite with White Vision, who now has all the memories of normal Vision. Like, oh, right. she's she's coming back. They did that, she's, didn't they? Keeps coming the back. Yep. This movie is a trifle. I'm kind of happy to be back, where we could have Marvel trifle movies, because for a couple of years here, it felt like everyone it feels was very like that's important. actually all we're getting, though. I mean, that's an interesting. I don't sense a direction in the MCU and it's kind of freeing in a way like I'd rather have this than I saw this argument uh, also on Twitter uh, and then someone else was like in terms of like per movie direction we're actually on an accelerated uh, track with <laughs> young uh, young Avengers and build up to secret Wars. we're now taking AP Marvel courses <laughs> uh, exactly so but we've had like or Disney plus series got college credit with the multiverse of madness We've had uh, four movies now. If we were doing that um, and we applied it to old Marvel, we'd just be up to the Avengers, which again, just introduces Thanos at the end. We weren't talking about Infinity Stones for like 10 years, and then they got everybody into it. Now, everybody knows what the fucking multiverse is to the point that they're going to use it out because they're, they're mainstream pop Yeah, we still got Loki and... season two and uh, Quantum Mania. Just... Quantum Mania. I was just going to and... ask about Loki season two, but finish what you're saying, Dave. <laughs> and then you have uh, Young Avengers, which is very far, but they've started passing off the mantle as to who those are going to be. And then you have my favorite piece of um, Marvel storytelling that is, I think, going to climax in a couple of months uh, with Thor Love and Thunder. But you have uh, Eternals. And uh, Moon Knight picking up from uh, the idea that you can't trust the gods. Like, there is no higher god power in Marvel that is trustable. It's assholes all the way up. It's Thanos's all the way up. <laughs> so um, I'm interested well, to see how that... We got Harry Styles out there somewhere. We got Harry Styles out there somewhere, Ooh, but yeah. Christian Bale's going to come and thin out our god pool a little bit uh, in Good a couple luck. of months. Good god. Um, I wanted but to anyway, ask it's about... It's all building the battle world. Uh, I wanted to ask about... 
Loki season two because I was thinking about Jonathan Majors because it sounds like his character who is Krang the Conqueror? Kang. Kang. Krang's um, the, Krang's uh, the brain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Great. Um, he, it's like it's similar to what you're saying about Charlie's Theron or about worlds colliding. I, you said something that made me think of him. Where's he? Where does he fit in? Yeah, so he's going to be we, an Ant Man, right? Yeah, he's going to be an Ant Man at least. Uh, they had um, references to one of his comic book Egyptian variants uh, placed in Moon Knight. So if you remember what? at the end of Loki, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you remember at the end of uh, Loki. He was like, if you kill me and you stop pruning universes, you're going to get a whole bunch of me's yeah. and they're going to start trying. They're going to cause a multiversal war. So Loki killed him. And the reason that these multiverses are having uh, a lot more uh, incursions now is because one of them's not being pruned. So there's a bunch of Kang timelines with Kang coming for you. Uh, it seems like, you remember the Loki animated sequence where they're like, there used to be a time war. Mm-hmm. And then all the time things, it started fighting each other. Love and your like, southern you know, accent, Dave. Always do. Like, um, uh, that, imagine if time is a flat circle, like other uh, prestige TV has told us, we're going to see that time war again. So that, but that time be, war is not what's happening with Charlie Staring running around. like this. That's, it is. Oh, okay. So it's already happening. It's two things, in, yeah, in the same, yeah, trying to occupy the same space that wouldn't have happened if one of those things had been pruned early enough. Got but it. now causality and Kangs have come together. So <laughs> Majors is your Thanos. He can die in any series and come back because there's an infinite number of him. And, and he we don't might know be related gonna... to the Fantastic Four. Oh, he's definitely related to Fantastic Four. So Kangs, shout out... Uh, in this movie is that Reed Richards has children and his children will become the ancestors of King. <laughs> so uh, this is the perfect segue. Let's get off this train because before our brains melt, I want to talk about all these cameos in yeah. Multiverse of Madness. And if we think they are good, like what this movie made me step back and say, what is a good cameo? No, I was what just going to ask you what your definition of good was. What is yeah, and I think, I think, all of these cameos are good in a movie that is about stuff, like throwing stuff at the wall and just feeling a frenzy and feeling confused. Like if this, if I don't think if the narrative really mattered, you could get away with just putting lots of characters in. But if your head is already spinning, like it makes sense that professor X would roll out in his yellow hover chair from, I guess the comics, but, recognizable probably to most MCU viewers from the animated series. And then Danny Elfman goes the extra length to Dan- actually Dan- reference <laughs> the animated series. Uh, loved that. Loved that. Um, yeah, I, love that I also love, I hate, but I love John Krasinski getting cast as Reed Richards' Fantastic Four because he's been the fan cast for so long. It's so I was what, I was going to ask that is that so that's like a nod to speculation. This is a nod to fan, that's, a, that's I, a fan cast. I feel okay. like there's a nod to fan casting and also taking him out of contention for mm. possible future Fantastic Four movies, which is a great relief because uh, I don't want to see that shit. That's so obvious and dumb and like have. Fun. And why would he, he do it? And he's so bad honestly. in the movie. I thought he was like really flat and boring. He looks. Oh, CG'd I liked in. him. Oh no, I love. Well, I liked when he got turned into strands of. Mr. Fantastic string. Uh, I just felt like happy he, to see him again. The fact that he's a good guy means he's at the end of his arc. So when I saw him immediately, I'm like, well, next time we see this guy, it's not going to be Jonathan Krasinski because this guy has kids. 
he's part of the Illuminati. The Baxter building has become the Baxter sure. Foundation. Like that that one has ruled this universe. Universe eight three eight, very Mr. Fantastic forward. Um, I like them because uh, there's their specific fan service. Very specific fan service, but they're all of iconic characters, which is what we're going to be seeing in the future, because sometime in the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're going to show you a new Wolverine, and you're not going to know the actor. Mm. You're just going to have to know Snicked is Wolverine, and like that's what the basis is. You know Captain Carter because you've seen at least advertisements for What If. Uh, you know, also, Haley Atwell's Ma- in the movies. I mean, man, yeah. Haley Atwell, you want to talk about people who were like had their moment and got cast in this thing? She has dined out on this franchise without like ever having she to do that. She is in the next much. Mission Impossible movie, Katie. She is about no, to no, be no. huge again. I do not want to discredit her. I'm saying like she has managed to be in a ton of Marvel movies without like while being on set for like three days. She had a whole TV series. In she this had a whole Marvel TV we series. Love Haley Atwell. I love Haley Atwell too. <laughs> I was happy to see her again. I love her. I mean, I how crush, old is I crush she hard. that she got to yeah. be in this awesome, but not awesome action sequence. She looks great. I don't know if it was a good action sequence. Oh. The most uh, border in terms of weirdness we get is Black Bolt. And you can tell they know that's the weirdest because he's the one who has to have his powers explained. Everyone else just shows up and right. does whatever they're fucking supposed to do. You did not watch Inhumans on ABC. So let's just yep. go the yeah. extra mile for Anson Mount, who will not speak uh, most of this. And it has a new television show out right now. But you would never know it's him. I spent that whole or time schmuck. being like, am I supposed to know who that is? And <laughs> I was looking at Lashana Lynch and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, she's in the Bond movie. Now yes, she's in this. Great. And then later I, w- I read something. I was like, oh, she was in Captain Marvel. I didn't remember mm-hmm. that. I hope this is not the last time we see Lashana Lynch. Is she in the, Isn't the there a Captain Marvel? Isn't there a Dave? Captain? Yeah, that's the Captain Marvel 2, right? Uh, I don't believe Oh, wait, no, she's... she wouldn't be because she was in the 90s and her daughter will be in the Yeah, Marvel. who was on yeah, um, she's, was on she's, canonic- yeah. she's canonically right. dead. She died in well, WandaVision. Well, I'm glad she got a big action scene. You know what's funny? This movie actually has a great makeup moment. I think it's a makeup moment from Endgame. The real, like, woof. Uh, hey, ladies, we're all going to be fighting mm-hmm. in together. Girl power um, moment from Endgame. Just terrible. And now here, it's like, actually, here's three badass ladies just picking each other's asses. Um, yeah. And we don't have to, like, wave a flag, but we just have to put the pieces into position so this can happen. And it's, and it's really cool. Like, I'm glad yeah. we got to see Marie Rambo be Captain Marvel. I'm glad we got to see Captain Carter. That is cool. That is cool. I'll give you that. Yeah. I think the fights were pretty cool. Uh, although just shredding Reed Richards right at the top is really like. Made me feel just, good. Can, can someone prove to me we could do good stretchy powers? Because I've yet to see anything on cinema that says we could do good stretchy powers. Like even Miss Marvel, they've taken out her embiggened fist. And now it's like an energy no, construct. They have it. Oh, I don't know. Now it's an energy construct. Watch the show first then judge. I'm just saying. Where are my stretchy powers? Come on, Fantastic Four. Sign Bryce Dallas Howard like you're trying to right now and let us have some cool uh, stretchy powers. Let's do it up. Why is Bryce Dallas Howard in charge of the stretchy powers? Oh, because um, it does not have a director yet. Oh, just we, but, just we want them to hire a director and then get to work on stretchy powers. They, they, Rumor they, is they are looking at a Bryce Dallas Howard who has made awesome Star really? Wars episodes. And if you could do Star Wars episodes, you can do... Stretchy powers for a dumb Marvel. That movie. worries me a little bit because that feels like 
and this is this is a good segue to what I want to talk about at the end of this, which is wait, Sam I wanted Raimi, to ask about Patrick Stewart. More. I wanted oh, to ask about Patrick yeah, yeah. Stewart. Then I'll come was, back. I, yeah, I thought he was fine. I mean, I like seeing Patrick Stewart. I don't have a ton of attachment to his Professor X. Uh, so, what did you guys think? His fake House of M scene, Dave, was baffling. I actually thought the cameo was cool, and then they did that standalone scene where he's trying to get Wanda out of the white room world, and I'm like, this is ter- this is bad. What is this? This is trying to nod to comics in a way that most people won't understand, I don't think. Oh, right? that was a nod to a thing? I mean, maybe, but again, it's a WandaVision throwback, so much so they have an episode of WandaVision on the fucking TV. So, like, maybe if you're really into WandaVision, I don't know. In terms of, like, psychic powers, uh, one of the problems of the X-Men movies is it's very up and down about how you show that visually. This movie <laughs> does not solve that. What are you talking about? We get the uh, psychic uh, circles coming out of Professor X's head. I mean, the introduction to it's fine, and I like the zooming in through the pupils, but just show me what how the ending happens. You don't, like, if it was, like, whoa, 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 and then there's a flash in his neck snaps, I'd be like, what happened in the... <laughs> you know whatever but like you know it's it's fine it's fine i guess professor x is good i yeah. you know put patrick stewart on screen That's i mean fine. he has really bad luck with uh psychic redheads that that character have, have always getting the, killed uh, by red psychic redheads have all the stray marvel universes now been united i believe yes no ben affleck's no. daredevil has not been incorporated we've not seen ben affleck's daredevil we have not <laughs> seen wesley snipes blade we have not seen any version of the pub, the Punisher we need, from we need that Nick existed Cage. in cinema. We need Nick Cage as Ghost Rider come back. Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get there. Uh, Patches, will. what was your what was your uh, wrap? Yeah, up? so I, I was gonna say you were mentioning Bryce Dallas Howard might direct Fantastic Four. Uh, good for her. I mean, she seems like she really wants to make a movie. She's doing a lot of press for Jurassic World Dominion right now, saying. Like, hey, I've done Star Wars television. I could make a Star Wars movie. I could make I'm a movie. I'm in these movies that have no respect for me whatsoever. Uh, right. Like maybe me... a big movie like this, but from the perspective of a of a woman, um, maybe once in a while. Uh, so yeah, I, it'd be interesting to have her make that movie. I was talking to my wife, like, why can't they get Fantastic Four right? Can anyone get family dynamics in a movie at all? Um, she'd probably be good for something like that. But... Well, it's because... Two perfect Fantastic Four movies already exist. They're called The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2. Oh, damn. Um, that's fair. My, my point here was I still find the hiring of Sam Raimi for this movie to be fascinating uh, because lots of people think you can't make your own movie in the Marvel mode, and I would tend to agree with those, you know, that dissent. Um, it's... I think Kevin Feige gets to choose who gets to make a movie, essentially, mm-hmm. at this point. And that's after watching 20-some Marvel movies. Uh, this movie is a Sam Raimi movie. I think Kevin Feige loves Sam Raimi. I think Kevin Feige was on the set of the Spider-Man movies being Avi Arad's assistant or whatever, just living the dream of getting to watch Sam Raimi bring Spider-Man to life in the perfect way. And saw an opportunity for like someone unhinged to make a movie that needed to be, and Sam Raimi got to do it all. Like the camera moves, I love that camera, like stuffing the camera in Elizabeth Olsen's face while she's trying to get a demon or whatever something off of her. I can't ex- remember exactly what, but it's like the Raimi cam. That's Raimi cam, um, or the close-ups on eyes. It's like the fucking shadow on Cumberbatch at a few times in this movie. Um, it's not just the zany. It's not just the deadites floating around him at the end. It's it's all of the camera work. Um, it really 
feels like and or uh, the fight in the beginning a lot of people said the Raimi stuff comes at the end of the movie but i think chasing squid guy up the building oh, the is eyeball. kind of like oh spider-man 2 all over again it really felt like doc ock chase in manhattan all over again to me um and and it was great uh i do think it's a Raimi movie and i think he was let off the leash because he can also do something that he loves to do I have um, been enjoying very much our, our friends over at Blank Check going through the Raimi movies, um, and I had watched some before that had started, kind of in preparation to get in the headspace for Multiverse of Madness, and I watched Army of Darkness a few weeks back. Um, but thinking about Raimi and thinking about how he makes movies and how he doesn't want to make movies that are easy to make. He makes things hard for himself. I'm relating a lot to this in my personal life as well. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that in a few weeks, but like, what if I could just keep plussing it up? What if I could add more? What if I could, what if I could be writing the script on the fly? Um, and it sounds like him and Waldron had to do that uh, a lot on this movie, like making it up as they go, or rewriting during the pandemic, then coming back for reshoots and making it up more up. Um, I think that's how Sam Raimi likes to make movies, and most filmmakers seem who kind of click into the Marvel engine uh, get booted. It seems like a lot of people get kicked off the projects and other people come in or they're brought back for reshoots it's like got to do it this way like producer kind of shit and and it doesn't work for them and i think it really works for raimi uh but i'd be worried about someone like bryce dallas howard like that just sounds like hiring someone from television it sounds like hiring the russos all over again I, i've been thinking a lot about mm. civil war in comparison to multiverse of madness where it's like man and Dave, you said this at the top, where it's like, I'm getting splash pages in this movie. I'm getting camera angles and weird graphics and like, put it all, put it out there. It's stuff, the movie. And Civil War tries to be that and totally fails. It's it's a really flaccid, I hate the movie so much because it really cannot do anything with so many characters and so many action figures. It's like, play in the sandbox already. But it is a flat, nothing gray movie that I despise. And I don't like what the Russos do. And I think avengers infinity war and endgame i hate infinity war i love endgame and endgame is closer to multiverse and madness but it feels like feige it feels like just shoot my shit already like i'm working with two writers who are gonna make it all happen and you just shoot it like tv director in the kind of worst way um and i and i worry that marvel is more on that track like i don't know where they're going when i think about phase four or beyond what you're talking about, Dave, like where how it's building to another Avengers. Like I don't see it from the director's standpoint. I don't see it from building like they have Peyton Reed you're doing never, another Ant Man. They're, they're you were like, never supposed to. They learned that lesson with John Favreau. They're like, you I can't know, let but, the but then they do Raimi the, the do head. this. But that but that's the thing. Like how well, how do I you think, they don't Raimi's have a new exactly roster. What, they don't have a new roster of directors, and I'm worried like, are we just gonna get T V directors? Are we just gonna get people who shoot for Feige? from now on, except for the people Feige loves. Like, he got Joe Johnson to do Rocketeer 2 in the form of Captain America. He got Raimi to do another Raimi movie at his scale. Like, unless Feige loves you, you shoot for the suits, and it's kind of flat. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about the future, and you shoot, depending you shoot on Feige's the, taste. You shoot for the universe. It's all, it's all a team player thing. They hire TV directors because those are people who are used to looking at a pilot and then making maybe their slight change on the pilot but stepping right into a whole crew that works week to week on a TV show. It's a lot more like that making a Marvel movie than it is making an actual movie. That's what, but Marvel's also just assume they're talking to everybody hearing like they asked the Daniels to direct, uh, you know, something and the Daniels like turned them down to, you know, make everything everywhere all at once. That means Marvel's talking to everybody. So it is probably what you're talking about 
if Kevin Feige likes you. But Kevin Feige seems to have like a pretty okay taste in movies. So that's just what that's what we're living with. This is there isn't there is not thanks to Joss Whedon, thanks to John Favreau, and thanks to Zack Snyder. There's never going to be a director-driven superhero franchise ever again. Mm. Those three people fucked it up for everybody. Because John Favreau, with, luckily, like, well, they're ending with John James Favreau Gunn, was able to ending like, with Taika, and yeah, it just feels like it's all the Marvel stuff is coming to an end in a weird way. Like, I, I don't think Taika Waititi will do another Thor movie. James Gunn is ending Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, Correct. there's a lot of things, and Chloe Zhao seems like a one-off, right? And uh, Kate Shortland seems like a one-off. Certainly, there's no more Black Widow coming in the future. Everyone um, involved with like, Eternals seems to have regretted that. that it feels like we're too. at the end of of a. We're actually at the end of a phase of Marvel, even as we propel into the future of Marvel. But in terms of the people who have to tell these stories for this giant company, I when John Watts left Fantastic Four, that was a big like, whoa! Like even the veterans of the Marvel engine are not coming back. Like, there's no one on the bench. There's no one on the bench after Th after James Gunn and Guardians. I find that fascinating. Yes, I, I think that's very deliberate. Uh, Taika, I, I think the reason he's not going to do a Marvel movie after this is because they, they're not going to let him become a James Gunn. There's a lot of resistance to letting James Gunn become another Joss Whedon because that got that fucked up everything for so long. He's like, let's put Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. on TV. Let's, you know, do Avengers Age of Ultron. Let's make uh, Black Widow, like, sterile. It's like they really, you know, screwed the pooch on that one. Wait, so Joss um, Whedon fucked it up how just by, like, ha having too many decision-making powers on, like, the long-range storytelling? Yeah, there was a period of time, like, around the Joss Whedon Avengers uh, where he was hired for, like, a $100 million overall deal to just, like, help all the Phase 2 movies it's the same idea where they give Zack Snyder Man sure. of Steel 2 and they're like, well, what if you just make a whole team up like series? And so he thinks out the whole like uh, Justice League series. It's And then James Gunn has fantastically been like the Guardians are mine. If you're using the Guardians, I'm going to, you know, help with dialogue and stuff. But did get fired by Disney and did sort of have to like come back because they had to like deal with that whole social thing. I, I think uh, they're never going to let anybody be in the position besides Feige. The only reason Raimi gets to have this much power over this is because by the time they realized when it needed to come out and what need needed to be in it, they had zero time to make a very specific product. This was supposed to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home because America Chavez opening portals to other Spider-Man makes a lot more sense than Ned suddenly being able to like sling ring stuff. So it was supposed to be America that like did that. I think it was supposed to be before Loki even. So the idea that like the multiverse incursions needed to start after Loki is now new. So basically this movie, COVID-19 came along and this movie had to completely change. And Sam Raimi's like, I could do that. And Kevin Feige, since he's learned from Sam Raimi and Laura Ziskin, especially on the Spider-Man movies about how to be a producer, he's like, yeah, let's jam this together. And let's throw in Waldron who had to redo Loki. <laughs> And, like, let's take all these people that think on our feet. And Waldron's also community Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon uh, stock, and Marvel loves to hire that stock out because Dan Harmon's really hard to work for. If you could work for him, he could work for anybody. <laughs> so I kind of feel like, yeah, it's still... Kevin Feige's still steering the ship. Yeah. Just well, like you said. And Sam well, Raimi yeah. doesn't seem to have had any storytelling 
influence in terms of like long range stuff. Like it doesn't seem like to be what he cared about. I don't think the story in this is especially good. And the stuff that feels like it comes from Sam Raimi is almost entirely visual. Yeah. And then I think that's how Thor might play out too. It's like, yeah, it looks like a heavy metal rock cover, but in terms of the story, the story seems very centered on the comic book adaptation of Gore the Gage Butcher. But it's going to be fun because Tyke is going to put the things he wants in there. And that's uh, the way it's going to go. Yeah. I guess I'm just worried. I'm worried about like a Nia DaCosta trying to do her thing. I, I'm just Everyone's perpetually a little baffled bit worried about by that. Ryan Coogler and like his him functioning in this system. But hey, he seems to be doing fine. I guess Black Kevin Panther Feige's 2 not seems tell to Ra- have. I don't think a- Kevin Feige is going to tell Ryan Coogler how to do a Black Panther movie. I, that might be awkward. But um. Yeah, I, don't, I do I don't feel like that movie has a lot working against it, unfortunately. But uh, yeah. you know, there's uh, reason to have hope. It's interesting. They're at a. They're at. They seem to be at a crossroad. Um, I guess we'll find out uh, in like two months because the Marvel stuff is perpetual. It never ends. It's crazy. What else yeah. is coming this year besides? Thor? We got Miss Marvel next month. What? We got Miss Marvel. Yeah, Miss Marvel, Thor: Love and Thunder, She Hulk, Wakanda Forever. Halloween special, we think, is Werewolf by Night, uh, directed by Michael Giacchino. Very interesting. Yes. And then what's at the end of the year that's uh, supposed to be coming out? Oh, yeah. the Mar- uh, Oh, no. The Marvels have been pushed to next year. So I think that's it. There might be a I Am Groot kids series, and there might be a What If Season 2. Uh, I don't know how COVID uh, affected those two basically post-production shows it never ends never Sometimes. ends and now, oh and guardians of the galaxy halloween special that's our uh, uh, christmas, christmas special. special that's right that also coming this year anyway we have constant marvel uh, again welcome back to our lives sorry we didn't give you any chance uh, to talk about what happened in moon knight maybe we'll do that in a future fighting in the war nah. episode that is it an hour and a half long <laughs> That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. I'm trying to figure out what we're going to talk about. Stay tuned. Um, uh, Patches, we have you back for real, probably. I think so. I think so. Pending. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on that happens how mad Michelle is when he gets off this call. right? Yeah, now. exactly. Or how tired <laughs> I am. We'll see. I don't really stay up late. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I mess up the order of things. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. <laughs> Right. And this is the part where I say goodbye. Yes. Uh, Matt Patches here, back. Sorry, just had so much to get out of my system. Haven't been podcasting. Haven't talked to anyone but my small child and my wife and my other small child. So I had to get it out. Uh, I am the deputy editor of Polygon.com, although I'm not working there right now, so I can't really hel- be held accountable for anything that they're producing. I hope it's good. Um, but yes, find me on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Oh, and uh, we hey. also have a website, fightingintheworm.com. I also have that part to say. <laughs> yeah, and I have to pick up for David Ehrlich. You can follow on Twitter at uh, David Ehrlich, and uh, he writes for IndieWire. He's going to Cannes, and he's supposed to tell you right here to leave a review. I told you that uh, earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Leave a review on the podcast app or iTunes if you live in the Americas. If not, email your review to fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You can find me on Twitter at DA7E. You could find me also 
on Patreon at patreon.com slash DA7E and Neil, as my friend and I, Neil Miller, do a podcast we call One Perfect Scene because we're trying to increase the movie literacy in this age of streaming. And you can also listen to me and Neil and Joanna Robinson on Trial by Content, Tuesdays, Ringer, blah, blah, blah. I'm on too many podcasts again. Katie. Wow. Help me. Uh, what a great job. And you're so much nicer to David about plugging him than I usually am in a similar position. Um, I'm Katie Rich. I'm also on another podcast at Vanity Fair called Little Bold Men, uh, where uh, we recorded it today. And I'm trying to remember what we talked about. Uh, we're definitely more talking about uh, The Staircase and Candy and other true crime stuff if you want to hear more about that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Katie Rich, K A T E Y R A C H. And we're all on Twitter at F I T W R, where. I don't know. I guess I would collect more Doctor Strange thoughts that uh, make me feel like I understand it better and maybe like it better, like when I listen to Dave talk about it. Or you can just answer this week's lightning round question, which was... In honor of Firestarter, tweet us gifts from the Prodigy music video. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week. Talk, 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 talk.